This episode originally aired as a part of my other podcast, Project Shadow. Over there, I have been doing world-building content for a while, and I'm currently moving it all over to this new podcast. New episodes will be appearing soon. I am currently making all of my old content, including Worldbuilding 101 and Worldbuilding 201, available on this podcast as Season 1 and Season 2 of Mythweaving. I hope you enjoy, and don't forget to have the fun. I can't hit polish on that. That's not perfect. Maybe if I change the wording here, or I don't know, maybe if I rewrote that entire section, then, then it would be perfect. But is anything ever really perfect? Let's talk about the problem of perfectionism on today's Project Shadow. Hello everyone, how are you doing today? My name's Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, especially if you're reading my new book, Crucify My Love. And today we're going to be talking about perfectionism. And this is kind of a continuation of what we were talking about yesterday with perfect with a profession and craft. And it's a little bit different. Actually, it's a lot different. But before we get into all that, if you haven't already, please take a moment to rate this podcast in whatever app you're listening to me on. It really does help it a lot. It tells the algorithms to share the podcast with more people. The more people that listen, the bigger the community. The bigger the community, the better the chance that we get to talk to each other. And after all, that's why I do this in the first place. Thank you to everybody who's already done that. Ah, perfectionism. If I could go through my life and not have to deal with or talk about this issue ever again... I would be so happy. It, it's We've talked about demons and how these little thoughts go through our head. And this is one of those horrible little demon monsters that just keeps creeping back in. And it finds new and impressive ways to sneak in and try to take control. Recently, since I started working with World Anvil. working Well, working on World Anvil. I'm not really working with them. Um, this is not a sponsored episode. It's become worse. Because, see, I have this way of doing my own world building where ideas kind of come to me a little bit at a time. A piece here and a piece there. And it's kind of like putting together a jigsaw puzzle. And as I get more and more pieces that fit together, sometimes I have to do rewrites of entire sections of the idea because, well... I now see it more clearly, and I understand it in more depth. Going and putting it on World Anvil has become a little bit of a problem. I mean, you'd be surprised exactly how many articles I have written for the World Anvil worlds that I'm developing, or that I have developed. Unless you actually went and visited them, and went, but, but there's nothing here. I mean, nothing's been published. And that's the problem. I have this internal fear of sharing that dirty process of, if I can use the vulgar cliche, 
showing people how the sausage gets made. Because of, nobody wants to see that, right? But I don't think that's the case anymore. I don't think that that's true, because, well, if it were, sites like World Anvil wouldn't exist. I mean, they might exist because of world builders like myself who want a place to put our worlds, but they definitely wouldn't have people going there and reading them. And they do. So I think that might be an unfounded fear. But I want it to be perfect. Why would I put it out before it's perfect? I mean, when I write a book, I write a draft, I write a draft, I edit, I revise, I write it, revise, and I edit. And then only when I feel like it would just be taking up more time to try to make it any better than it is, that's when I put it out. That's when it goes out into the world. I can't do that on World Anvil. Because these ideas will never be finished. You see, every time I write a new book or a new short story that will add to these articles, every time I create a new character, some nuance of their cultural history will impact numerous articles that will then need to be touched up a little bit. It's going to be unfinished forever. It's going to be sitting there as an imperfect work for everyone to see, for everyone to know exactly how sloppy my mind is, to see how over time these ideas develop and grow and especially in the developmental phase, which I'm in right now with the science fiction setting, they change over time. And I think this is more of a problem with how people like I were, was raised. I mean, I got Star Trek, and there it was, Kirk and Spock and McCoy, right out of the gate, and everything was already there. Wasn't it? See, we didn't get to see then what we can see now. That early draft of the idea with Captain Robert April in charge of the Enterprise that no one bought and no one was interested in. I remember the big reveal that originally it was supposed to be about Captain Pike. And they got so far that they got to make a pilot, but... Nobody jumped. Nobody bought. And they had to go back to the drawing board. And then we get the version with Spock. But then, by the time where No Man Has Gone Before aired, surely they already knew everything, right? No. Star Trek has always been messy. In fact, if you watch the series in the order in which it was aired, they weren't on a Federation starship. They were on a United Earth vessel, the USS Enterprise. It's not till much later that the idea of the Federation comes in. The story develops. Star Trek has always been an iterative process. Every episode, every season, getting to refine and change the global history, the galactic history, shaping it so that it could include the things that it needed. Deep Space Nine mentions several conflicts that are never mentioned in The Next Generation, even though several of the characters would have probably taken part in them. And in fact, we learn that they do, because 
of O'Brien bridging the two series. But they were never brought up. Because those events didn't exist until the episodes of Deep Space Nine necessitated them. And thus they sprang fully formed into existence. And as each series, each season, each episode, each movie came out, the story, the history, everything was refined bit by bit. Spock was originally a Vulcanian before he became a Vulcan. And then he became a half-Vulcan because the story required it. And these changes are huge, and in hindsight, because we all know that Spock is a half-Vulcan, we look back and when he's simply called a Vulcanian or a Vulcan in earlier episodes, we just assume that they knew, but because he chooses to live as a Vulcan, that's why they're calling him that. But that's retrofitting the show to fit what we already know, because it's already happened for us. But originally, it hadn't already happened, and those were possibilities just floating out there in the ether. See, Star Trek wasn't finished. Star Trek isn't finished. It's an iterative process. And yet here we are, over 50 years later from its premiere in, I believe, 1965, still talking about it, still having shows coming out. Quite a few, actually, with the new season of Discovery, Star Trek Picard, Lower Decks, and I can't remember what the kids' animated show is going to be called, but there's going to be a kids' animated show, because of course there is. Yeah. They were all unfinished, and continue to be unfinished. And that was okay, wasn't it? I mean, aren't we all expecting to be like Tolkien and have these grand, vast histories spring from our mind like Athena fully formed? I mean, I know a lot of the ideas in the back of my head kind of play around like that, but is that really how writing works? Is that really how any of this works? Why am I so afraid to hit publish on these articles? To let people see these partial ideas and watch them develop and grow and change. It's because I don't want people to think less of me. And that's really what it is. It's not perfectionism in that I want it to be perfect. It's perfectionism in the worst possible way. How can I be the arbiter of what is and is not in this world if it doesn't spring from my mind fully formed? If I don't already know and have always known how and who and why and what made everything happen, made everything the way that it is, how am I supposed to be trusted? Well, that's a problem for me, not for the readers. I think a lot of readers understand that even if I knew all of that, I wouldn't put it up on the website because I wouldn't want to give spoilers to things that hadn't been written yet. So what am I really afraid of? We all know the story. At least I think most of us do. And we all want it to be true. And we want it to be true for us. J.K. Rowling on the plane having the 
kind of daydream of the little boy with a lightning bolt scar running up and down the aisle. And there, in that brilliant moment of insight, she understood everything from book one to book seven, and all the nuances and all the little things that were going to happen. We go after George Lucas, saying that all that he knew of what would happen in episodes one, two, and three, well, that obviously wasn't true, because it took him time to write them. And well, they don't live up to the standards that we are applying to them, so obviously he was flawed. And these are the two worlds that we straddle. These are the two worlds that I straddle, trapped here between J.K. Rowling and George Lucas, two people whose works I highly enjoy and highly admire, and would love my work to eventually be put in the pantheon alongside theirs. And now Joe is getting attacked because she's George Lucasing, oh, we've turned his name into a verb, her setting. And she's doing it in the same way with a prequel series that doesn't seem to be completely thought out. Oh no, what are we going to do? Well, obviously the solution is quite clear now, isn't it? Never do a prequel series. No, that's not quite it. That's not the right answer. That's not how we make any of this better. And I think in our hearts we know that. See, Joanna Rowling had years to write the Harry Potter books. Alone, in a room, writing, typing, plotting, outlining, revising. None of us knows what the first draft of any of those books looked like. We have no idea what conversations went back and forth between her and her editors. Her and her friends. Her and any confidant that she discussed the story with as she was writing, if she did that at all. We don't know what any of those iterations looked like. And because we have our own expectations of the perfection of those writers, we expect everything to be gold and perfect. And we then, if we are creative, we do the, der the terrible terrible, dastardly thing of turning those expectations back in on ourselves. Because if we expect perfection from Neil Gaiman and George Lucas and J.K. Rowling, how much more should we expect perfection from ourselves? Because unlike them, we have control over that. We have a say over whether or not our work is perfect or not. So should I hit that publish button? Should people see that half-written idea? That half-thought-out idea? That idea that I know eventually will be revised and revised a thousand times? Why not? Why shouldn't I hit that button? Why shouldn't the world see that if they want to? Nobody's required to go to World Anvil. Nobody's required to dig through my world-building and see what it is that I've put there. No, I'm here writing because it's something that I love to do. That desire for perfection that's holding me back, that's keeping me from clicking that button is nothing but vanity. And it's that vanity that says, if people see any of the flaws in what you've done, 
You'll never be a J.K. Rowling. You'll never be a Neil Gaiman, a Harlan Ellison, a Ray Bradbury, a Frank Herbert. You'll never join their ranks if they see you for what you are, flawed and scattered, desperately trying to cobble together an idea from the scant images that you're getting as you're putting the puzzle pieces together. Now, Dune should arise fully formed from the sand and reveal itself to the world. I mean, how are you going to keep that air of mystery about yourself, about your creative process, when there it is out on display for anyone to see, where anyone can take a look at it and find flaws? Mm. Better to be safe, isn't it? Safety is one of the greatest forms of cowardice. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that we should always do the dangerous thing and that we should never take safety into account. But when we desire it most, especially on things that really can't harm us, we need to ask, what are we really afraid of? See, it's not really safer for me to hide all of this from the world than to put it out. In fact, by putting it out, I might attract a whole new audience who likes going through that world building and seeing everything that's there. I might develop a whole audience on World Anvil that I had never had before and never could have had if I hadn't published there. But I will never know if I don't do it. And see, not knowing might be better than finding out. You see, the more we go and tell ourselves that we can't let this out because it's not perfect yet. We're protecting ourselves from people seeing flaws. Maybe flaws that we know are there. Maybe flaws we fear are there. Maybe flaws that we could never find without somebody else pointing them out. It breaks the illusion that we are these mastermind world builders. That we are these architects of story. That we know what should happen, that we know what should be in these tales and how these worlds should flow, that we know what is right and wrong for these stories. If any of those insecurities get put out there in the world, if any of those insecurities get seen by others, we're merely human. And if we're human, we're fallible. And if we're fallible, how can we trust anything we write? How can anybody else trust anything that we write? We face the death of the author. We stare into its vacant eyes, where the meaning that I want to craft into my work goes away. If people can see the process, all of the other extraneous thoughts that go into making it, I truly make myself more and more unnecessary. Because they can see those ideas and do with them what they want. You see, it's not perfection for me or perfection for my work that's really the problem here. It's control. Control comes through secrecy. See, if I hold back the secrets of the world, if I hold back what I know and only I know, then I have power not only over the worlds and the stories, but over the reader. And with that exercise of power, 
I can do whatever I want. And I can tell the reader, well, you should have seen it coming. I, after all, have planned this all along. And I can say that whether I mean it or not. Whether I planned it or not. So you can say whatever you want about the prequels, but when you read the early scripts of Star Wars, it's all there. And it's easy to do. In fact, Marvel made a comic book out of the early drafts of the script. It's called THE Star Wars, as opposed to just Star Wars. Read it. Some of the character names are changed, but they're all there. Mace Windu, there's a version of Padme, there's a version of Anakin. They're all there, and it, it actually looks quite a bit like the prequels. But of course we should ignore that, right? Because it's not what we wanted. So who has control here? The fans or the writer? Well, if I'm going to put things out into World Anvil, I don't have power anymore. And that's really what I'm afraid of, isn't it? That's why I'm afraid to publish. Is that why you're afraid to publish? What stories are you holding back? Because unbeknownst to you, you're afraid of losing control of them. Hmm. Something to think about now, isn't it? I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did and you haven't already, please rate it in whatever app you're listening to me on. It really does help a lot. If you've got a buck you can throw my way, down in the show notes, you'll find a link to both my Patreon and the Community Support tab. The difference between the two is people on Patreon occasionally get stuff. If you don't have any money right now or you don't feel like giving, that's okay. But if you know somebody that might like this podcast, do share it with them. That helps out a lot. And it makes my day, especially when you tag me on social media and I get to see it. Because I, as much as I want to think I'm humble, I'm as vain as the next person. <laughs> we all like to be praised, don't we? If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like to hear discussed on the show, in the show notes you'll find a link to the voice message system really is an easy way to get in touch with me. Just remember, keep it short, keep it clean so I can use it on the show. If you'd rather hit me up on social media, I'm C. Dorset on Twitter and Instagram. You can find links to everything that I do over at projectshadow.com. As you've probably noticed, this podcast has changed a little bit lately. It's become much more of a personal journal. Don't worry, I'm still going to be covering my favorite shows and movies and stuff like that. Books and music and whatnot. But there's something about this format that, I don't know, I've come to kind of like. And I think some of you might as well. I'd love to know what you think about the changes I've been doing. And until next time, don't forget, have the fun. Bye.